You know, one of the things that God is doing is he is giving hope, restoring hope. And that's a little bit about what I want to talk to you uh, concerning today, that if you have hope, if you are a hopeful person, that is a very, very powerful thing uh, going on in your life. We need to talk about it. If you've got hope, uh, you're currently a hopeful person, then how do you hang on to hope? And then the, uh, the opposite of that would be true. Uh, if you are not uh, feeling hopeful, in fact, if you are feeling hopeless, then the reality is that can be agonizing. You can be like, God, I, I, want, I want to have hope. I, I want to look into the future of my life and be hopeful. And if you're not sensing that right now, uh, that can be uh, quite discouraging. So that's exactly what I want to talk to about. So I, I know that in this case, not every subject you're able to do this, but in this case, we got all, everybody's covered because either you are a hopeful person and you're like, wow, this is a really good spot for me to be in my life right now. How do I hold on to that? Or if you're at the other end of the spectrum, you're like, I'm feeling pretty hopeless these days. Maybe not in every area of your life in totality, but there's some areas uh, going on, some circumstances, some challenges that you're faced with. And as a result of that, you're feeling a little bit hopeless about that. Then uh, we want to talk about how do you find hope? Now, there's all kinds of things, and you know this, you don't need me to tell you that there are all kinds of things that will try to steal away our hope. And uh, we could just go on and on and just sort of name a litany of those, and that would take us quite some time. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of things. If your health has gone into decline, I talked to a lot of people, it seems like recently, that they're having struggles with their health. If their health uh, is feeling like it's in decline, a person can start feeling a little bit hopeless about at least that spectrum of their life. If somebody loses a job, maybe you know somebody that uh, recently has lost their job or they had to close their business down and having that business was a dream and, and that person in their life can get almost like an underlying panic, like, what am I going to do and, and feel hopeless about their future career or, or ability to provide income? That can cause a person to lose hope. Uh, when a marriage comes to an end or when a marriage is challenged severely, that can cause a person to feel hopeless. When financial debt is just so enormously deep, it's like, you know, I'm going to get out of debt one of these days, but it's going to be at least uh, 48 years from right now. I mean, if, if you feel like that, that can be a hopeless feeling. Like, how do I, how do I get on the other side of that? When a person is struggling with addiction and they're like, you know what? I, I want to be free of this, but I don't think I can. This has been such a part of my life for so long. Or a person says, hey, I can, um, you know, I can stop this, but it's just, I'm, I'm not finding it uh, too easy to stop it. No, I can stop it anytime, but I'm not stopping it right now. And, and uh, a person can feel hopeless about that. Our, our kids continue to ignore God. And we're like, oh man, I wish my kids would come to Christ. Or, or there are those, um, you know, parents, who continually break the spirit of their kids and their, their kids are like, you know, they just want a lot of love and affirmation and support and they're not getting that. And so uh, 
uh, a child can grow up and feel pretty hopeless about that. Um, I had somebody tell me recently, they're saying uh, they were talking about getting older and giving some reasons why they were uh, getting older. And they just had a pretty pronounced statement about that because they're feeling a little bit less productive. And, you know, I've been more productive, but I'm getting older. And, and so that can cause a person to be hopeless. In fact, I, I read this story not too long ago. I'll share it with you because I think you'll enjoy it as well. And it goes like this, with all the new technology regarding fertility, recently a 65-year-old woman was able to give birth to a baby. When she was discharged from the hospital and went home, her relatives all came over for a visit. May we see the new baby, one of them asked. Not yet, said the mother, 65-year-old mother. I'll make us some coffee and we can visit for a while first. 30 minutes had passed and another relative said, may we see the new baby now? No, 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 not yet, said the mother. After another few minutes had elapsed, they asked again, may we now see the baby? No, not yet, replied the mother. Growing very impatient, they then asked, well, when can we see the baby? When he cries, she told them. That's when. When he cries, they demanded, why do we have to wait until he cries? Because I forgot where I put him. I apologize. I... Hope is indeed a dynamic thing and something all of us want and need. So again, if you've lost it, how do you get it back again? And some of you have lost some hope. I talked to a lot of people and some of you are feeling a little bit hopeless these days. But if you have it, if you found it, how can you hold tightly to it? And the primary passage that we're going to explore today, and I'm excited to get into this with you. We need to talk about it. It won't take us long, but there's some things here you really have to see. Guys, you're going to put it up on the screen, several verses, and we'll come back and we'll break it down. All right? Here we go. Humble yourselves, therefore, this is the Apostle Peter, this great leader in the early church. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Look at this phrase. Cast all your anxiety. Some of you are very anxious these days. Cast all your anxiety on, on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled. It's not always easy, but be self-controlled and alert. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers, other believers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, he won't even send a substitute, will himself, uh, read this phrase with me, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Now, just exactly what are these verses saying to us? And I want to break it down in sections because I think it will help us to process it a little bit better. And so if you're taking notes, I'm, I'm going to walk you through probably four things, time willing, uh, four things out of this passage that I think would be important for you and I to know. And again, if we're feeling a little bit hopeless, there's some things here that can help us, help, help us to feel hopeful. If we've got some hope, there's some truth here that we're going to be reminded of to help us with tenacity to hang on to it. So uh, first of all, here's the first thing I want you to get down. Number one, it's a good thing to humble ourselves. It's a good thing to humble ourselves. Let's go back and look at that verse again. It's verse six. Look at the verse. Uh, read these first two words. Everybody read them with me. 
Humble yourselves. Let's read them again. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And, and I want you to think about, uh, think about this truth uh, this way. Uh, one way, uh, in one way or the other, you and I are going to be humbled. You can count on that. Either we make an internal uh, decision, uh, self-made decision with God's help, you know, intentionally we're saying, you know, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to be a more humble person. Or if we say, well, I'm not really interested in being a more humble person and humility, you know, was the way of Jesus. So it's a good way for us, uh, I might add. So if we say, uh, you know, it's a good thing for me to initiate it, to humble myself. And if we choose a different course of action, how many of you know that God is able to allow circumstances to humble us? I think one way or the other, we eventually end up on a path of being more humble. Sometimes uh, we, we, hate, we help to create the mechanism because we humble, just like Peter is saying here, uh, humble ourselves. The Bible is very clear about this. Uh, be careful. You know, you get prideful. Pride always comes before what? Before a fall. And so if you and I are unwilling to humble ourselves and do what the Bible teaches, well, then, you know, fact of the matter is circumstances can humble us. And there's nothing uh, glamorous when it happens that way. Now, I know that this is going to sound, and I'm not going to stay on any of the four very long at all, but I know what I'm about to say to you sounds very countercultural, but nevertheless, I want to say it to you. And that is, all right, you do not have to be right all the time. You know, some of you, uh, we're not even talking about marriage today, but that could help in your marriage. You don't have to be right all the time. You, you don't. It's counterculture because we think I've got to be right. I've got to be right. I, I've got to be right all the time. Here, here's another thing. Uh, you don't have to win all the time. You, you don't. I, I mean, we, we want to, but uh, we don't have to win all the time. We, we simply do not. And uh, I can remember very well uh, when I was a, a kid in church, and that's been a few years ago. And, and one of the things that we had in our group, it was like this obstacle course that was set up by uh, very demented people and who were not having to run the race themselves. And I mean, it was an obstacle course in every sense of the way. And uh, my dad had got me involved in sports uh, early on. And so I, you know, I felt athletic. I felt like I would compete well. And, and I did for the most part. But when I came in, I thought I was in first place, but I was in second place. And I'm like, wow, you know, it just didn't feel. Listen, here's the thing. You don't have to win all of the time. You, you really don't. And uh, that's countercultural. Uh, you don't have to have it your way. I know Burger King says it differently, but you don't have to have it your way. Now, here's a great truth. Now, listen, here's a great truth that if you would learn this, it would help you. It would help me to become more hopeful people. And here it is. I'm going to give it to you. You ready for it? Here it is. Life does not revolve around you. It doesn't, and it doesn't revolve around me. 
And see, a lot of times that's when you and I feel hopeless because we're like everything, we don't say it because we're not brash enough, but we live this way. Everything revolves around me. I've got to be right. I've got to win. I've got to have it my way. But life does not revolve around us. And friends, just think about this. If you just say it does or you function, you wouldn't say it, but you function with that mentality, you just set yourself up for hopeless situations. Life does not revolve around you. Life does not revolve around me. And Peter's very expressive here when he says, hey, just humble yourselves. Just humble yourselves under God's hand, God's mighty hand. And if you will humble yourselves, listen to what he said. You saw it a moment ago. You saw it twice, actually, that if you will humble yourselves in due time, at the right time, at the appropriate time, here's what God's going to do. God's going to lift you up. God's going to raise you up. However, if you and I are always raising ourselves up, guess what God will do? God will find ways to humble us. So life doesn't revolve around us. You live that way, you're going to feel hopeless most of the time. Uh, John Orberg, in a a book that he wrote some time ago, uh, he said this, humility, if ever we could grow into it, would not be a burden. Humility would actually be an immense gift. Humility, and he, he defines it in his way, humility is the freedom to stop trying to be what we're not or pretending to be what we're not and accepting our appropriate, I like this phrase, our appropriate smallness, smallness. That's what he says. By the way, uh, we've ran out of this book two or three times. We've got more copies of the book, sort of the Pastor's Jeff book of the month. We've got more copies than me I want to be, uh, but uh, I, I would grab them pretty quickly. It's the last order we're going to make because a new one will come out next month. All right. So secondly, first of all, it is a good thing to humble ourselves. Secondly, we need to hand, this is huge, huge. If you're going to be hopeful and not hopeless, we need to hand our worries over to God. Hand our worries over to God. This is what Peter, this great, great leader in the early church, uh, to become a more hopeful person, you and I can't carry that on our own. Look at verse 7 again. Here it is. It's just a reminder. Uh, Let's read the whole verse. Everybody help me out right here. Give all your worries to him because he cares about you. Uh, Leave that up for just a second, guys. Why can you and I give all of our worries to God? Because God cares about us. I mean, we wouldn't feel confident giving our worries to God if it just said, hey, give all your worries to God because he doesn't give a rip. That wouldn't be very encouraging. That that wouldn't cause us to become very hopeful. Give all of our worries to God. Why? Because God cares about the things that have us so worried. Give all of those things over to God. I want you to take just a moment right now, right now, if you're worried about something, and a lot of you are, I want you to take just a moment and think about what is that thing in your life right now that has you most worried these days? What are you worried about? What is causing you to feel anxious? All right? So you've got that. Another question. Hang on to that. What is the why behind the what? I mean, if you say, well, I'm worried, you've got the, the, the what. I'm worried about this, the what. But what's the why behind that? I'm worried about this because. I'm worried about this because if it's accurate, this is what it can. Now, I'm not going to chase this because I've got two other things after this I want to mention before we're done. But here's a reality. Here's a reality. A lot of what we worry about never actually happens. A lot of what we worry about actually never comes. Sometimes it does, 
but for a good percentage of the time, and you know what happens if we worry, worry, worry? Have you ever done this? I've done this at least 2.7 million times where I worried about something that never even came into being. Has that ever happened to you? Wave at me like this. I was worried, 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 anxious, 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 and, and then it never even came to be. And I'm like, why did I waste? Have you ever felt this way? Why did I waste all that time worrying? And somebody has said it this way, if you worry about it, and then it eventually does happen, then, you know, what you've done, you've actually worried about it twice. And uh, if you worry about it and doesn't happen, well, then that's wasted worry. And there's a lot of things that can cause us to become anxious or afraid. And, and let me just say, we're all going to have momentary times when we're going to be afraid. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that chronic worry that just seems to hang on day after day, day after day, uh, month after month. Uh, and we just chronically, there's a lot of things that can happen suddenly that will frighten us. I can remember a number of years ago, uh, there's a lady, she's been working at a church for quite quite some time. My office is at the North Campus, and she's just, she's really jumpy. I mean, you can just walk by casually by her office, and, and you can about say it this way. I'm kidding you not. You can about say, boo. And I mean, she'll just lift out of her seat. I mean, you could do it that commonly. Boo. Ah, you know, she just, and so I knew this. How many of you know that there's a mischievous side to me? Do any of you think that's that's possible. And so I saw her coming back from lunch one day. This has been several years ago, although it's been unforgettable for her and for me, and you understand why. And I saw her coming in the direction to come into the building, and there was a little cutout there in the wall. And so I just hid behind that cutout just like this. I just stood there. And this is a really jumpy person. So she's coming this way, but she can't see me because the wall, if you can use your imagination, the wall comes straight here. I'm in a little bit of a cutout. I hear the door open. I hear her walking. She's getting closer and closer and closer. And just at the right time, the God-appointed right time, I just jumped out and said, boo, just like that. She screamed so loud. Now, that was funny to me. But what she did next, she repeatedly, I mean, she just starts hit. I mean, like, and she's screaming the whole time. She's like, ah, and I'm like, you know, abuse. I need to file this with HR. What's going on here? And didn't do that because she, well, uh, but I mean, well, that didn't cause her chronic work. Although for a while she worried, would I be hiding back? And I said, no, 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 not anymore. Because if you, you know, if I do that again, you have a heart attack. I'm not going to feel good. So I've, I've learned my lesson. Jesus just delivered me right here and right now. And besides all these bruises on my arm, uh, but that's, that's not worry. That's being momentarily frightened. Uh, what is the why behind your what? It's like, I'm worried about this, and here's why. Because if it comes into being, this is what it means for me. No. You have your why, but I want you to uh, jump to a different kind of what, and it's this. What are you going to do about it? Because you can just say, well, I'm, I'm just going to live with this. I'm just, you know, I'm, I guess I'm a worrier. I'm a worrier. I heard somebody recently describing worry this way. I was listening to a podcast. I never heard it said this way. Uh, they said it, uh, worry is like pre-traumatic syndrome. We've all heard of post-traumatic syndrome, something that happens and then the syndrome after. But this is like pre-traumatic syndrome. It's not even happened, and yet we just, we worry about it. What if, if this happens, if this happens in my family, if this happens in my health, if this happens at work, if this happens in my marriage, if this happens to my kids, if this happens, and we just build this up, you know, what are you going to do about that? Are you just going to live with that? I mean, if you just say, well, I'm resigning myself to the fact I'm always going to be a 
worrier. Problem with that, problem with that, you're, you're not going to live as a hope-filled kind of life as you actually could. Did you know that the word worry here in verse 7 actually comes from a root word that means to divide? And that's exactly what worry and anxiety will do. Worry will distract us. How many of you have found that to be true? Worry will distract you, things you need to be thinking about, things you need to be doing. You're not thinking about those things. You're not doing those things while you're distracted. Our mind becomes divided. How many of you have ever noticed this? Have you ever noticed that when you are anxious or worried that you cannot think straight? How many of you have ever found that to be true? And you just like, I'm worried about it and I'm not thinking straight. You make rash decisions and that's no way to live. God does not want you to live the remainder of your life that way. In fact, as we saw here in verse 7, what he wants you to do is he wants you to take all of those worries, all of those things that are causing you to become anxious. Not that momentary, I was frightened because of this, but that chronic worry that just hangs on. It's there the next day, the next week, the next month. And God says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take those and I want you to turn those worries over to me. And you can do so in full assurance of this reality, God says, because I care about you. George Mueller, uh, he made this statement, and, and the guys are going to put it up right here. He said, the beginning of anxiety, this is a great statement, by the way. The beginning of anxiety is the end of faith, and the beginning of faith, I love this, and the beginning of faith is the end of anxiety. So when I say, God, here's what I'm going to do. I'm worried about this. And maybe, you know, uh, there's some indicators that would cause me to become anxious, but I'm not going to live my life. I don't want to be a hopeless person. I want to be a hopeful, a hope-filled person. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to hand this over to you. Number three, thirdly, keep your eyes open, be alert, and exercise self-control. That's what this uh, great church leader is saying. Keep your eyes open and exercise self-control. Look at this verse. Be self-controlled. This is verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. And he tells us why. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for somebody to devour. So be, he says, this is what's happening. This is sort of the net result of what's happening. So you be alert. You keep your eyes open. You know what's going on. You stay attuned, you stay dialed in, and you exercise self-control. Now, have you already made this discovery? Uh, have you already discovered that you cannot control everything? Have you? Have you? Now, how many of you, how many of you, uh, you're like really disappointed about that? I, you know, I am. I just, you know, I want to be able to make this happen, that happen. However, the one thing uh, that you and I can control. Here's the good news. The one thing that we can control is us. There's a lot of things outside of us that we cannot control. Uh, there's, a, there's a Christian psychologist, and you've heard of him, many of you have. His most famous book is probably Boundaries. If you've not read Boundaries, that's a good book that you may want to pick up. Maybe we'll make it our book of the month sometime. Uh, Boundaries by Dr. Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. Now, uh, this is Henry Cloud. This is not uh, Townsend. But I want you to look at a statement that he made. And again, Christian psychology, very, very bright. He said, so many of people's problems, look at that. So many of our problems come from trying to control things outside of their control. And when they try, they lose control of themselves. That's a great, great statement. 
You may want to uh, write that down or get a picture of it. So many of people's problems come from this root cause, from trying to control things that are actually outside of their control. They're not going to be able to control them anyhow, and they just spend a lot of time, and, and quite honestly, a lot of anxiousness and worry can come from that. And when they try, they lose control of themselves, trying to control things. Now, um, I want you to really think about that for just a moment. Are, are the things... Are the things that are causing you, I wish we had more time for this, but I want to just lay this out because it's really, really important, and it would be easy to just skip over and move on. Are, are the things that are causing you to feel hopeless, are those things that are quite actually beyond your control? And, and, and you know, the Apostle Peter primarily uh, would say, hey, you know, don't try to control things. Only thing you control is yourself, self-control. Don't spend all of your time. Don't lose your hope because you're trying to control things beyond yourself. Uh, why does the Apostle Peter so strongly emphasize this matter of self-control? And you saw it on the screen just a moment ago, verse 8. He says, because the devil, our enemy, is lurking around and looking around and waiting for an opportunity to destroy us. Now, the enemy is not your friend. How many of you know that? He is your enemy. He's your arch enemy. He, God wants you to be hopeful. This is a verse out of John's gospel. I memorized it a long, long time ago, and I quote it so often, um, that uh, the enemy comes, this is what Jesus said in John's gospel, that the enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. The enemy comes to steal, kill, destroy. And on the heels of that, Jesus said, but I've come to do just the opposite. I've come to give you life, but not just life. I've come to give you an abundant life. And the apostle Peter is saying, you just, you know, uh, you control yourself because in actuality, that's all you can control. Anyhow, don't be worried about things outside of your control. It'll drive you crazy. Cloud said you'll lose control of yourself. And so, but be alert. Because there's an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. That's his, that's his mission. That's sort of his mantra, his mandate. That's what he wants to do. He wants to steal away our hope. He wants us to live in defeat. He wants us to live in discouragement. He wants us to live in depression. He wants us to live in fear and anxiety. Because the enemy, Jesus is clear about it, and Jesus is the authority on this subject. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I'm coming to give you life. I want you to have abundant life. I want you to live your life being hopeful. It doesn't mean, and we'll see this in just a moment, doesn't mean that everything in your life is always going to be easy. It doesn't mean you're not going to have problems. It doesn't mean that you're going to be free of any struggles. It doesn't mean that you're going to go the rest of your life void of any kind of negative circumstances whatsoever. That is not what is being implied here. We are going to face challenges. But uh, listen, God does not want us to live in fear because of this roaming, roaring nature of the evil one. And here's the reason why. Fourthly, it leads us right to this. I want you to be sure you get this. This is so important to being hopeful. And that is God's power is so much greater than the power of the evil one. Can anybody say amen to that? God's power is so much greater than the power of the evil one. Now, again, we're just staying with the text. I'm just walking you through what the Bible's saying, providing some brief commentary on that. First uh, Peter 5, 9, but you must, read it with me, resist the devil. Resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. Resist the devil, he says. Stay strong in your faith. And then he adds this, you know that all over the world, the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. Now, 
This is the same writer, and we're not going to go to it. And this verse just actually in this moment comes to me, or maybe I would have had the guys put it on the screen. It's this same writer, uh, the Apostle Peter, this great church leader said, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals that come upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. That's his words. That's what he says in another, do not be surprised. And he's talking to Christians. Do not be surprised when you walk through challenges and you walk through uh, suffering on occasion, you walk through problems. Do not be surprised at that, he says, as though some strange thing were happening to you. What is he in essence saying? He's just saying, you know, as long as we're in this world, you hear me talk about this quite often, as long as you and I are in this world, we're going to have challenges. That's just part of living in in a broken, messed up, sin uh, filled world. But the reality is, you know, while we're here, we have the availability of God's power at work in our life and we're going to face challenges. Now it would do all of us well to continually remember that when we're going through a time of adversity, and I don't know any person that has been able to go from birth to death without any adversity in their life. If you know anybody like that, well then you, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know anybody like that. And, uh, and no person in the Bible lived that kind of life where they went birth to death with no adversity whatsoever. So I think one of the things that he would want us to fundamentally understand right here is that when you and I are walking through a challenge, and maybe you're walking through a challenge right now, maybe you're faced with something that does have you anxious, that does have you fearful, that does have you feeling discouraged, that has, it's like sucking the hope out of your life. And you're like, you know, you're not as optimistic about, you know, six months from now or next year, the remainder of your life and what's going on in your family, health, business, all that. You know, um, one thing to keep in mind with that, this is what the Apostle Peter is saying, is when we're walking through a period of suffering or challenge, sometimes it's just good to know that we're not alone and that our hardships are not isolated. See, it's... it's. Uh, you know, if I'm walking through a struggle, it's not like I want you to go through a struggle too. But how many, how many of you, does this, see if this makes sense to you. If I'm walking through a struggle, I don't want you to go through a struggle. But it just knowing that I'm not the only one going through a struggle sort of gives me the internal fortitude to just keep pressing on because it's not like I'm the only person in the world going through this. Listen, whatever you're going through right now, whatever degree it is, then let me just assure you, you are not the only person going through that, and you're not the only person that has ever gone through that. And, and he's just reminding us, hey, when you're going, first of all, God's power, yeah, the enemy, you need to stay alert. You need to keep your eyes open. The enemy's like a roaring lion seeking whom he might destroy. So you got to be alert to that. But at the same time, you remember that God's power is greater than the power of the evil one. And even when you're walking through a challenge, uh, God is right there with you in the middle of your challenge, whatever that challenge is right now in your life. And you're not alone. You're not the only person faced with a challenge. You're not the only person that's been up against what you're going through right now. And you are most certainly not by yourself. 
You know, that's why it's so important to connect with other people. We come to church on Sundays and we connect with God and we worship God together and, and we sit around the teaching from the Bible together. But we got to get beyond that so that we're in smaller settings with people so that we can, we can bring somebody into our struggle, somebody that we can be open and honest. And you can't do that with everybody, but there ought to be one or two people in your life that you can be totally and completely honest about your struggle and, and know that not only is God walking with you and his power is greater than the power of the evil one, but you've got somebody walking with you, a friend, somebody that's praying for you and encouraging you. Now, I, I want to just say this, and then we're going to wrap up. This verse that we just read right here, verse 9, you got to keep in mind, and, and, this is, and, and this is not a theological lesson, but here's something I'll just toss out for your consideration. Something from the Bible cannot mean to us something contrarily different from what it meant at the time that it was written. Let me try and find another way to say that. If something was written to a group, in this case, a group of believers, um, it can't mean to us something like so totally different from what it meant to them. So part of the way that you and I understand how the Bible applies to us is, first of all, understanding what it meant to the people that it was originally written to. Now, do you know who this was originally written to? It was originally written to Jesus' followers who were facing an enormous amount of persecution. I mean, physical persecution. Not just like, you know, because they were a Christian, you know, in the workplace, they were taking some ribbing or at school, you know, people were making. No, physical persecution. They were being physically persecuted because of their faith in Jesus. But he's saying, verse 9, but resist the devil and stay strong in your faith. You know that all over the world, the Lord's followers are suffering just as you are. He said, yeah, I know that what you're going through right now is real. Read the book of Acts. If, if you want to see some of this playing out, persecution. I just finished up the book of Acts again this past week and the persecution and how that that's coming against uh, the church. And, and Peter's just saying, hey, keep in mind, that there's other people that are going through what you're going through right now. Now, there's a writer. Some of you may have studied uh, about this guy in history. His name is Tertullian. Tertullian was a Christian writer and apologist. He was born in uh, 155 AD, I believe it was. And if you think that the current problem of your life is tough, I want you to look at what Tertullian said. And this was going on in his day. He said, go on, talking about persecution, go on, rack, torture, grind us to powder. Our numbers increase in proportion as you mow us down. Think about this. It's real life. This is real life. This was really going on. And then he says this, the blood of Christians. So you can keep killing Christians. You can keep persecuting Christians because that's what was happening in Tertullian's day. The blood of Christians is their harvest seed. You know, sometimes we think about persecution. We say, yeah, wow, back in the book of Acts, and man, these believers and Saul of Tarsus was a part of that. And then others were being persecuted. And, uh, you know, us just reading again, I've read it a gazillion times, but reading about Paul and all that Paul went through and how the deck was stacked against him. And eventually he just says, listen, I see what's going down here, all these false charges. I appeal to Caesar. I'll, I'll just go to Rome. And eventually Paul lost his life in Rome. He's under house arrest for a number of years. But eventually... Uh, uh, history seems to indicate that um, he lost his life in a very heinous kind of way. And you know, for me, I, I can't speak for you, but one of the things that helps me sometimes when I'm walking through a challenge is to realize not just what the believers 
in Tertullian's day or in the Apostle Peter's day. But this, and maybe I'm just psyching myself out. I, I don't know if you're looking for something that may work for you. This seems to work for me. When I think sometimes about my problems, and then I think about what kind of problems my brothers and sisters in Christ are facing today in many, many parts of the world. I mean, where just coming to Jesus, just coming to Jesus, uh, they're going to lose their job. They're going to be cut off from their family. Coming to Jesus or sharing their faith may mean that they may actually lose our life. Do you know that we've got American missionaries right now going into places with their family, that they're going the re with the reality that they may, based on where they're going and what they're doing, that there's a high probability that they may lose their life? And, and again, I don't know... I don't know if I'm psyching myself out, if this is just something I do, or if this is something that perhaps you should try. It seems like when I start thinking about challenges like that, that my brothers and sisters in Christ are facing all around the world, it helps me to put my challenges into perspective. Does that make sense to anybody right here? If it does, just wave. And I start, and I start thinking about that because it goes back to that statement. I just, we all need to just humble ourselves, humble ourselves, you know, Life does not revolve around me. I don't have to be right all the time. I don't win, have to win all the time. Life is not about me. Life is not about me. Life, if I go through my life just thinking life is about me or we raise our kids to cause them to go through life, life is all about you, then we set them up for failure. And one of the reasons that a lot of people are walking around today hopeless is because they think everything always has got to go exactly their way. And if it doesn't go exactly their way, well, they just easily, easily become defeated. Well, let's wrap this up. As you and I follow God's plan found in what we've looked at today, verses 6 through 9, we, we do that. We humble ourselves. We'll humble ourselves. God will humble us. We hand our worries over to God. We stay alert. We remain alert and self-controlled. And then we lean into God's power. I want you to see this last verse. Then you and I are going to experience this firsthand. Look at verse 10. And the God of all grace, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself, you saw this a moment ago, will himself restore you and he'll make you strong and he'll make you firm, and he'll make you steadfast, and you will get your hope back. So if you don't have hope, how do you get it? And I think this is how we get it. And if you have it, how do you hang on to it? Did you catch that incredible description of God here in verse 10? The God of all grace. Because God is filled with grace, he's not looking to destroy you. You know what he's looking to do? To restore the broken pieces of your life. It's an enemy that seeks to exploit the weaknesses of an opponent. But God is not your enemy. God is actually your heavenly father. And he wants to help you. So I want you to stand, and as we do, one last verse, and it's not in, and not in the passage that we've looked at, but this is actually out of Hebrews, but it so ties into this. Let us have confidence then. Let us have confidence then. This is, about, this is what we're about to do. Let us have confidence then and approach God's throne. That's what we're about to do where there is, what's at God's throne? Grace. And there, when we approach God's throne, we're going to be met with grace, and here's what's going to happen. Three things. We will receive mercy. We're going to find mercy there. We're going to find grace there. And he's going to help us just when we need it. So you and I right now are going to approach God's throne. And as we do, you know what we're going to be met with? We're going to be met with the grace of God. And we're going to be met with the mercy of God. And we're going to be met with the help of God. 
Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes right there where you're at? If you just say, you know, Jeff, I'm one of those right now that in whatever area of your life that you've lost some hope here recently, you've just lost some hope and you just need to find hope again. You need your hope restored. Whatever you're going through, you just need to know, hey, listen, God is on my side. God is working for me. I know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God is working on me. I can lean into his power. I know that God is there for me, and God wants to help me. And and I'm approaching him today, and as I do, I'm going to find that God is filled up with grace and mercy, and God's going to help me to have my hope restored. If you need hope today, here's what I want you to do. I want you to just lift up your hand really, really high. Just lift it up. You need your hope restored in some area of your life. And I want to pray for you. Let me pray for you. And then I'm going to mention one more thing and pray a second brief prayer. But right now, God, in this prayer, this first prayer, I pray for people that need to have their hope restored. Thank you, God, that you remind us in your word that we can. You said we can boldly approach your throne of grace. And there we're going to find mercy. We're going to be met with grace. And we're going to find your mercy and your help because you want to help us. You're not our enemy. You're not our, uh, we're not your opponent. You're our heavenly father. And you want to help us with our struggle. And you want to meet our needs. And we know that you will. Those of you, while your heads are still bowed and your eyes are closed, some of you can be hopeful about your career. You can be hopeful about your health. You can be hopeful about your family. But what you most need to be hopeful about is your eternity. And if you're not yet a Christian and you're like, you know what? I've got hope. The rest of my life, if it keeps going on this progression, here on earth, it's going to be okay. But my life beyond, when I die, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen. And I want to be sure that I'm in right standing with Jesus. I want to know. I want to have the hope to know that I'm going to spend eternity with God in heaven. I want to receive Jesus into my life. If that's you, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. But you want to pray and you want to become a Christian today. You want to know that your hope is secured in Jesus. I want you to raise your hand real quickly. Raise it straight up in the air and put it right back down. And Father, I just pray for every person here. That just, they, they feel hopeful about some of the things that are going on in their life, but they don't know about eternity. God, that is what they most ought to be hopeful about. Uh, no questions, no apprehensions. And so I just pray right now in Jesus' name that people that are not right with you right now would say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, give me a brand new start. I want to have hope not just for this life, but I want to have hope for life beyond this life, eternal life. And so, Jesus, I receive you into my life right here, right now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. I love you, everybody. Have a great week. See you right back here next Sunday.